0: Christ's sacrifice once for all. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ For after, saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, It's great to see you all, well, kind of see you all. Uh, Again, it's been a while since I've been able to share, and so I'm really excited to have the opportunity uh, to talk with you all this morning. Although, of course, I'd much rather, standing in this empty building, be um, speaking in person, and hopefully that's not too far away. Um, But it's still encouraging to be able to open God's word together. I should also say, my name is Cameron. I'm the young adults pastor here at Canterbury Gardens Community Church. So to start with today, I thought I would share with you all a story, a story that really has two perspectives, two different ways it can be looked at. And we're going to look at the first perspective at the start of the message, and then we'll come back to it at the end. It's a true story, and it's the story of a guy named Andrew Chan. Andrew Chan was a Chinese-Australian born in Sydney in 1984. He was born into a fairly regular family and and seemed like a a good kid. Um, But it wasn't long into his teenage years when he began to fall in with the wrong crowd. And he actually began to take drugs and it wasn't soon after that until he was addicted. In fact, he mentions in an interview that he just remembers walking the streets at night in a daze and not too long after this he actually became a drug dealer himself and began to move up the ranks of of this organization and and this really was now his life. This sin had taken a hold of him and and most of us would be familiar that that Andrew Chan was arrested in 2005 along with with, uh, nine others known as the Bali Nine for smuggling drugs and not long after this he was convicted by the Balinese courts and sentenced to death alongside four of the others who was caught who were caught with him and for the next 10 years until 2015 when he was executed Andrew Chan awaited his execution he couldn't escape his sin His story was big in the media. His story was everywhere. Everyone knew about what he had done. It was in the public eye and he couldn't escape his sin. It was a life that was defined by sin and a man who could not escape the effects and consequences of his sin up to the very day that he died. In fact, Andrew, again, in an interview, once said that his life was the perfect example of a waste, a wasted life. He was guilty of his sin, he was convicted of his sin in court, and then he was reminded of his sin every day behind those bars until he was executed. It's a, it's a tragic story from that perspective. As I said, we'll come back to it a bit later on. Now, it's been a couple of weeks, so you may have forgotten what's actually going on and where we're up to. Um, uh, We've been studying the book of Hebrews. If you'd forgotten that after two weeks, I would be a little bit worried. But just to quickly catch you up to speed on what's happening in the book so far, you'll remember that this church, the Hebrew church, was a group of Christians who were beginning to suffer persecution and the temptation to turn back to turn back to what was familiar, to turn back to what was comfortable, to ultimately turn their backs on Christ and to another form of salvation. And so this was their situation. And so, so the writer, as we've been seeing, has been reminding these Hebrew Christians that Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. And so far we've seen that Jesus is the greater revelation. We've seen that he's the greater messenger. He's the great, greater than Joshua and Moses. He's the greater high priest. He's the greater truth, the greater Melchizedek, that he is ushered in a greater covenant. And last week in chapter 9, which really is going to set up our passage for today, we saw that he was the greater tabernacle. And the t- text last week actually highlighted to us that Christ has brought about this new covenant. It focused on how he has entered into the into the heavenly tabernacle and that he has done this by the means of his blood. It focused on how the means of his blood, he had a greater blood. He was the great he entered into the greater tabernacle. That was really the purpose of last week's sermon that the blood of bulls and goats could not Achieve anything, but only His precious blood. And this week's passage is really going to follow on very closely from what we've been talking about uh, in the previous week. It's going to focus on um, that same sort of theme, except it's slightly different. You know, some Bible passages, when you read through them, it's really hard to figure out what's going on, it's hard to know what the major theme is, but some passages are really easy. And this passage actually made it really clear. What the major theme was. In fact, in these eighteen verses that we're looking at today, the word offering or sacrifice was used twelve times. The word sin was used eight times, and the word either perfected or clean or sanctified was used five times. And so, I think it's pretty clear to see what today's main message is: that Jesus is the greater sacrifice. Jesus is. The greater sacrifice. And specifically, what this text is going to focus on is the outcome of both the old sacrificial system and its many sacrifices and the new covenant sacrifice of Christ. So, really, the big idea that is, is this that Jesus, through his willful and single sacrifice of his own body, has made forever perfect those who are being sanctified you might think that sounds like a verse well it is and we'll come to that later and so this main point is going to be shown to us in, in three steps which surprise surprise will be our three points first it's going to show us the inadequate outcome of the many old covenant sacrifices then it's going to show us the single and greater sacrifice of christ and then finally it's going to show us the outcome of that single and greater sacrifice So that's our blueprint. That's our three points that we're going to be looking at today. And I hope you see that when these truths catch our hearts, it makes all the difference to our Christian lives. So open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. I always want to emphasize to have your Bibles in front of you, not just to be listening to what I'm saying, but checking for yourself what the scripture says. So open God's word now. And as you do that, I'm going to pray for us. invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you that we can continue this wonderful series together. Thank you that once again today, we will be able to see just how amazing you are, Jesus. Just how much better you are than anything else. Lord, give us the eyes to see what is going on in our own hearts, Give us your spirit's power to change and give us your strength to worship Christ for all that he is worthy of. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the passage has already been read to us. Thanks for doing that, Mal. So why don't we just jump straight into it, looking at verse 1. We'll make our way through this text. Here's what verse 1 says. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities... It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. All right, well, why don't we stop there briefly? As I said at the beginning, the the text is going to highlight, first of all, the outcome of the, the many sacrifices offered Uh, under the old covenant and really this first verse brings out the first inadequate outcome it says that it can never by the same sacrifices continually offered year in and year out make perfect those who draw near it could not make people perfect why not Well, we talked about this a little last time, but but the old sacrificial system didn't actually deal with the real problem of sin in our hearts. It dealt with some external issues, but, but it couldn't deal with the internal problem of our sin. That's why once again we get that reminder. Did you see at the start of those verses of the Old Testament law with its sacrificial system is but a shadow of the good things to come. And it's worth reminding you of Paul's great analogy that he used and explained to us about a shadow that it can show us some things, but it's never a substitute for the real thing. A shadow is reflecting really what ultimately matters, which is the true reality. So these sacrifices offered every year in what I can only describe as a very tiring act, tragically, it could not make perfect those who drew near. But the passage continues to build on this. Look at verse 2 with me. Otherwise, would they have not ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having been once cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices there is a reminder every year of sins, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So did you catch there what the second inadequate outcome of the Old Testament's many sacrifices were that it could not deal with the consciousness of sins because you see rather than removing sin the old system just reminded of sin time and time again did you catch that in the verses that the high priest would actually have to offer sacrifices every year for his sins And for the people's sins. And just step into their shoes for a moment. Imagine if you were those people. Every year there's this reminder for you to go over your past year and think of all the sins you've committed and hope that this high priest would atone for them. Hope that he would come back out. It was a constant reminder time and time again that your sin is still there. And the sacrifice isn't fully sufficient. It's tiring, right? And then this passage summarizes by reminding us that the blood of bulls and goats can never, never take away sins. And so there are the two inadequate outcomes of the Old Testament system. It, it couldn't make perfect those who drew near because it, it only deals with external issues. And secondly, it can't deal with the consciousness of sins. There's a constant reminder, year after year after year. You know, the first thing that came to my mind as I was thinking through this was actually the COVID vaccines bear with me for a moment i was thinking that it's actually a really helpful illustration um, behind this old old sacrificial system because you see just like the vaccines the vaccines even once you're double vaccinated it doesn't actually deal with the problem of the virus you can still get it you can still pass it on sure those things are reduced but it still happens it doesn't actually deal with the the core problem of the virus And it looks like this anyway, that we'll actually be having to have booster shots every year. So even though we might be able to kind of get back to some kind of normal living and maybe forget about COVID briefly, we'll be once again reminded when we get those jabs that it's not finished, it's not over. The vaccinations aren't sufficient to eradicate the virus. This is the same problem with the old sacrificial system. It couldn't deal with the virus of sin. It couldn't deal with what was in our hearts. <laughs> and it reminded us over and over and over again that sin was a problem and it didn't look like it was going away. And so this is kind of what it's bringing out of these first Two points. So that's our, that's our first point, the inadequate outcome of the Old Testament system. It can't perfect and it can't deal with consciousness of sin. But let's keep moving through this passage because it's going to turn now its attention to the greater sacrifice of Christ. That is the reality that this old system is actually pointing forwards to. Look at verse 5 and read with me. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said... He does away with the first order in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So you see here this passage drawing our attention to Christ as the better sacrifice and there's and there's three things to notice here first of all notice that this whole section is really building on a quotation from psalm 40 that's where these verses come from psalm 40 verses 6 to 8 if you want to go read them uh, it's worth checking them out but what is it actually saying in this psalm well it starts out by stating a common message that we heard across the old testament it happens often in the psalms often in the prophets that god does not delight in offerings or sacrifices. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me go, but God didn't you institute the offerings and the sacrifices? And yes, he did institute them. But we need to remember the context in which these words were spoken into in the Old Testament because you see the Israelites had just began to perform to kind of just go through the motions, to actually make the sacrificial system the main thing. You see, what they would do would be, it's like they're kind of saying, oh, God, I've done the sacrifice stuff, so now just don't bother me and I can live my sinful lifestyle. That was what they were doing. They were living in sinful, idolatrous lifestyle, but still doing the sacrifices because that's what God wanted, right? It's kind of like husbands when we clean up the house just so our wives don't bother us. Let's be honest, we've all done it at times. And so this psalm says that this is not what God desires. In fact, this whole system was just a shadow, as we've heard, of the true and better reality to come. But notice what else this psalm says in the next verse, second half of verse 5. It says this, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but, and this is key, a body you have prepared for me. So you get this picture of God preparing the sacrifice. Because here, of course, it's talking about Christ. So don't miss this. You see, the old sacrificial system was focused on us bringing sacrifices for our sin and the high priest bringing sacrifices for the, for the sins of the people. But this new system is dependent upon God preparing the sacrifice. And you see that, right? Jesus quoting this psalm that God doesn't delight in bringing sacrifices and offerings in the old system, but I tell you what he does delight in, the offering that he is preparing, the offering of his own son the body that he has prepared in Jesus stepping into his incarnation, putting on flesh, a sacrifice prepared for us. It's amazing. So first of all, we need to see that the sacrifice is prepared by God. But but not only that, look at this. It gets even more incredible. In verse 6 and 7, read with me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure... Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. So you see, not only was this sacrifice prepared by God, it was a willing sacrifice. Jesus came to willingly submit to the Father's plans, to go all the way to the cross, to die as God's prepared sacrifice for our sins. What an amazing text. God prepares the sacrifice, and Jesus is willing and obedient to God. It actually reminds us so well what God actually delights in. He doesn't delight in sacrifices and offerings. He's always delighted in an obedient son, an obedient servant. But there's only been one, and that was Christ God's very own son, and it led him to the cross to be God's sacrifice for our disobedience. You see, this is the better sacrifice, one that is prepared by God, a single offering, and one that is from a willing and obedient son. And and look at the result of this, because that's what verse 9 speaks about. Verse 9 says this, Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first order in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You see, when Jesus says, Behold, I have come to do your will as the obedient sacrifice, he does away with the old order of things and he brings in a new order. Who would have thought, right? After all, we did need a new world order. It just happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ ushered in, through his single sacrifice, a new system which enables us to be sanctified and made clean. It's actually an incredible verses to reflect upon. All right, so we've seen the inadequate outcomes of all the many sacrifices of the old covenant, that it couldn't make us perfect. It, 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 it just brought constant reminders of sin. And now we've seen the, the single and, and, and obedient greater sacrifice prepared by God in Christ. And now we're going to turn to the next section which is going to highlight the outcome of Christ's single sacrifice for us. Look at Verse 11. sanctified okay so so we see here the first outcome of Christ's single sacrifice and really I don't know if you notice in these verses there's this wonderful contrast going on in fact all throughout this passage there is did you notice that the priest of the old system stood daily at service offering time and time again the same sacrifices that could never take away sins and yet Christ what does he do he offers a single sacrifice once for all And what is he doing now? Did you notice that? He's not standing like the Old Testament priest. He's sitting. He's showing that the work is finished. There's nothing more to be be done. In fact, he is sitting and waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool. Everything that needs to be done is done. It's beautiful imagery. And I love verse 14. It highlights that first outcome for us. If you want to underline, circle, highlight, memorize one verse from this section, it's verse 14. It says this For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. What a beautiful verse. You see, that's the first outcome. Christ's single sacrifice. It's made those of us who have drawn near to God through Christ perfect. It's made us perfect. And not just perfect until we stuff up again. Did you see that? Perfect for all time. Perfect for all time. You see, just like Christ's sacrifice was once for all, so our perfection is once and forever. What a beautiful reality. But notice this, and this is why I love this verse. It says he is perfected for all time who? Those who are being sanctified. Does this not sum up the beautiful tension of the Christian walk? (laughs) If you want to know what it means to be a Christian, then this verse sums it up for us. We are a people who have been made perfect by Christ's sacrifice. Positionally before God we are as perfect as Christ is we have his righteousness the work is done and yet we're also a people who are being made perfect who are being sanctified who are being transformed who who still sin but are learning not to. (laughs) And if you get the order of these two verses wrong, you aren't living the Christian life. You see, he hasn't perfected a people who are sanctified, but a people who are being sanctified. His perfection for us through Christ is the beginning point of our sanctification and being made like him. We are sanctified from a place of perfection. I love that. And this is why, actually, and the rest of the Bible would back this up, That is, there, that if there is no evidence of Christ's sanctifying work in your life, no evidence of transformation as a Christian, it could indicate that you've never been made perfect. This perfection is for all of us who are day by day being transformed into Christ's likeness. Praise God. So the first outcome, we've been made perfect forever when we come to God through Christ and the second outcome and this shouldn't surprise you at all because the passage is doing such great contrast look at verse 15 um, and we'll finish this passage off verse 15 says this and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days declares the Lord I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds then he adds I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more where there is forgiveness of these there is no longer any offering for sin so do you see the second outcome there verse 15 and 16 highlight that internal change that comes through christ's sacrifice that we're being given new hearts and this links back with that previous verse that that one of the reasons we're able to be sanctified is because we have new hearts we can actually walk in obedience And so I don't want to dwell on this point because we've actually touched on it a fair bit over the time. I want us to focus on verse 17 because we'll see our third outcome. It's quoting from Jeremiah 31, and it says this. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Then the final verse, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So you see... That third beautiful outcome, that there is no memory of sin. You see, unlike the old covenant system, which you heard about earlier, where there was that constant reminder every year, every sin, to go and... Give a sacrifice, constantly reminding under the new covenant with Christ as the single and sufficient sacrifice for us, there is no more memory for sin. And it doesn't say that there's no more memory for us. It says that God does not remember our sin. That is an amazing statement worth reflecting on. God does not remember the sins of his people. And so there it is. The inadequate outcome of the old covenant and its many sacrifices, it couldn't make people perfect. It, it it reminded of sin constantly. But the outcome of God's single offering in Christ as an obedient and faithful servant and son, we are perfected. We have new hearts and God remembers our sin no longer. And so what do we do with all of this, church? Well, no surprise, Our application is going to come directly from these couple of points. And the first thing I want to say really focuses on that last verse we just read, where there is forgiveness of these, forgiz- forgiveness of all our sins. There is no longer any offering for sin. So this is the first point I want us to reflect on. There is no more offering for sin you know this is such a beautiful reality church that we need to let sink in our hearts more deeply we have been made perfect there is no more offering for sin needed there is no more atonement ever needed for the sins of my life or your life when we've come to Christ and yet even though we believe this truth and I'm pretty sure most people in our congregation believe this beautiful truth. We often don't live like it. We reveal that our hearts are still coming to terms with this truth. You see, ever since the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? What did they do? What was their response? They covered themselves with fig leaves. It's kind of like you get this image of them feeling their shame and their guilt and they sin and they just grab whatever is closest to them and try to cover themselves And you know, church, this impulse still exists within us today. So that even though we say we believe this truth and we do, there is a part of us that still lives of is not true. We still hide behind our fig leaves. We still try to grab at whatever's close to cover our shame and our guilt and our sin You know, sanctification is the process of God slowly removing our fig leaves and us realising ever more deeply how sufficient Christ is as our covering. And the challenge of this morning is to ask God this question. What might you be grabbing hold of to try and cover your sin? You know, you want a good test for how well we are living according to the reality of this truth, is this. Do you, do you fear being found out? Do you fear people knowing the real you? Are you able to live openly before other believers, willingly admitting your sin and when you're wrong, not being afraid of, of being found out, or do you hide? And, and we all do. The question just is, what are we hiding behind? What are we desperately trying to cover ourselves with that people might not see how sinful we really are? It might be our, our careers. Our, we might be pursuing that as hard as we can because maybe that will, will cover for how sinful I am. It might be our intellect that we can just be smarter than anyone else. So maybe that covers up for my sin and my shame and my guilt. It, it might be our Bible knowledge. This is how, how insidious this impulse in us. We can take our Bible knowledge and, and try to make our understanding of it a covering for our sin. It could be... Something else? What are we hiding behind? I encourage you to ask and wrestle with that question with God. You see, church, the extent to, that we realize and deeply understand in our hearts that Christ's sacrifice has covered us once and for all will be the extent that we as a church can walk in openness and forgiveness as a community. Understanding this truth enables us to take the risk, and it is a risk. Of uncovering the dark places of our hearts knowing that Christ has covered whatever we find it enables us to confess to one another and to God and to stop hiding So, church, can we can we stop hiding can I stop hiding this passage encourages us to do that and maybe you're not a Christian listening to this talk this morning then whether you like it or not you are also trying to cover your sin in an inadequate way. You're, trying, you're like this old covenant system where you're just trying to, to cover it, but it just isn't actually working. And you know, I think deep down, you actually know that you're sinful. You actually know that you're not a good Person, sure you might be able to convince yourself you're a good person temporarily when you compare yourselves to worse people than you. I mean, Adam Kat, uh, um, Andrew Cate last week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, said that that's why the news is on. It shows us all the bad people so we can feel better about ourselves. But I think you know the shame. You know the guilt. And whether you like it or not, you're running to coverings. Things that, that can, can cover your sin and the shame that you feel. Whether it be trying to let your good works outweigh your bad works or whatever it is, let this passage remind you that this will not work. We cannot cover ourselves by our own sacrifices. Only God can cover us through the sacrifice that He has prepared in Christ draw near to him, through him, through Christ. I encourage you to, to do that this morning, to throw off those coverings that can do nothing. Second point, and finally, God does not remember our sin anymore. Oh, for us to believe this truth wholeheartedly, church, that God does not remember our sin anymore. What an amazing truth. And I think there's a very simple question to ask ourselves here. And I've been asking myself this week and honestly convicted about the answer. It's this. Church, do you remember your sin more than the living God does? Do you walk around with this kind of constant shame and guilt just lingering there? about sin it might be a sin that you've committed in the past a particularly big one whether it was before you became a Christian or even when you were a Christian it might be just those besetting sins that you feel daily do you call these to mind more than the living God does You know, it's almost like we can pass off this walking around with guilt and shame and beating ourselves up as some kind of Christian humility, but it's actually not. It's actually like we're saying to Christ, you didn't spend long enough on the cross. But that's not true. God does not remember our sins anymore. Are we allowing the shackles of sin that has been paid to linger in our hearts? You know, just for a moment, I want you to to, to, to recall those sins think about those sins that constantly gnaw at you whether it's things about yourself you just constantly are fighting or whether it's past sins hear this passage it's a reminder that God does not remember those sins when you've come to Christ and repented he does not remember those sins it's such an encouraging truth you know, I told that story at the beginning and I said we would come back to it because there's actually a different perspective of Andrew Chan's life. Because you see, not long after Andrew Chan went to prison and was awaiting his execution, God in his grace revealed Christ to this man and he gave his life to Jesus. Jesus. Many of you would know that. He, he became a Christian, and this radically changed his life. He, he started leading small groups at the prison. He, he started serving others. He started reading his Bible. He, he actually was ordained as a minister and led the local congregation in the prison. His life was completely different. And so, yes, from an earthly perspective to the view of the world and all else looking on, Andrew Chan's life was a man who was defined by sin, a man who couldn't shake the memory of his sin or the consequences of his sin right up to the day he died. But here's the other beautiful reality, that the moment Andrew gave his life to Christ and trusted in that sacrifice of Christ, God remembered his sin no more. Though he was guilty, though he had damaged many lives through his drug dealing, his sin was remembered no more because Christ had taken it upon himself. The heavenly ruling of his life in the heavenly courts was not guilty, forgiven, perfect. So you see, Andrew Chan was not defined by his sin. The most important person, being God, did not remember it anymore. And so he could live free even while behind bars. He could serve others and love others because he wasn't defined by his sin. Christ had removed it. And when his execution took place, he stepped into that forever perfection that Christ had prepared. And you know, church, that same reality is true for us today. We're all guilty. We all have done shameful and sinful things that we don't like. But we do not have to be defined by our sin anymore. They have been cast into the depths of the sea as far as the east is from the west in the tomb of Christ, never to rise again. God remembers our sin no more. Amen. So let us praise Christ this morning. The better sacrifice let us praise him that we no longer walk under a system of endless sacrifices that never make us perfect and always remind us of our sin but rather we walk in light of christ's single obedient offering that has made us perfect forever even in all the ups and downs of our sanctification that has caused a great and holy and living god to remember our sins no more let's pray Lord, these few verses um, explain to us the beautiful reality of what you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for Christ, who is our better sacrifice, who has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Lord, I thank you that there is no more sacrifice for our sins, that there is nothing more we have to do. But Lord, you know our hearts, that they're fickle, and that they easily still rely on other things, even if we don't see it, Lord. I pray that you will expose in our hearts by your spirit the ways that we are grabbing at fig leaves to try and cover ourselves, rather than trusting in your sacrifice for us. Lord, I pray that you help us to walk in the freedom of the forgiveness that we have. Help us not to recall our sin more than the living God, more than you recall our sin. But Lord, our only hope to do this is through the power of your Spirit. And so equip us, strengthen us, and help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, church. We'll see you.